0: When scouting players in the past few years, I mostly just watched film before creating my rankings. But since I began using analytics and athletic measurables, my hit rate has been deadly accurate. It doesn't seem like a bad concept to think that it takes an above average athlete to make it in the NFL, right? All college athletes are good athletes, but when you advance to the NFL, only the best of the best will become what we refer to as studs. Athletic measurables allow you to compare many players for many different years to help identify a pattern and perhaps a future stud. Speed, strength, agility, quickness, burst, All things under the surface of a prospect's game film can help identify a player's ability to excel at the NFL level. Also, game tape can be misleading. You have to take into consideration level of competition, player's ages, injuries, coaching, and an array of other factors. So combining what you see on tape with what a player can do in their athletic drills, you can start to paint a picture of what kind of pro this player may become. Now, there is no exact science or exact formula to say, okay, here it is. This player will succeed and this player will not. It's never that easy. In fact, two of the most important things that determine the success or bust are two things that can't be measured. That's a player's passion for the game and do they have their head screwed on straight. We've seen tremendous athletes never reach their full potential because either they didn't love the game enough to work hard at it or they just made poor decisions off the field. The bottom line for prospect evaluators is that you need to develop a process that works for you and follow that. Tweak it as you learn new things. You won't be right all the time and that's okay. But know that if your process is good, you'll be right more times than you're wrong. So let's get a drink and talk about the 2019 Rookie Wide Receiver Class. When evaluating receivers, one data point I started using a few years ago that really has helped me identify receivers that translate well to the NFL is their breakout age. If you have never heard of this, let me simplify it for you. If you had a 20-year-old player join a group of 15-year-old players in a game of football and he dominated, would that come as a surprise to a lot of people? No, it wouldn't. But on the flip side, if the 15-year-old joined a game with mostly 20-year-olds and he dominated, you'd probably take notice and be like, and that player has skills. Breakout age in a way shows us when younger players begin to dominate at the college level. It's scored as the age at which a college receiver logs at least 20% of his team's total receiving yards and receiving touchdowns in a given season. But again, this isn't always an indicator of a bust versus a stud. It's just another data point included to help in my process of evaluating. I wanted to pass this along to anyone looking for ways to improve their scouting. So let's get started with the wide receivers. At number five, I have Gary Jennings Jr., drafted by the Seahawks, round 4, pick 18. He's 6'1, 215 pounds. He ran a 4'4'2 40 yard dash. He ranked in the upper half of his class in speed score, burst score, and catch radius. These metrics can be found on playerprofiler.com. His breakout age is a 20.5. And to put that in perspective, any breakout age prior to their 19th birthday is the gold standard for this metric. And anything after their 21st birthday shows an expected domination at the college age level. So some things I liked on tape when watching Gary Jennings were, he's a vertical threat with serious speed. He knows where the soft spot in the zone coverage is, does a nice job settling underneath. He's excellent at finding and tracking the ball in the air when running downfield. He has good burst and acceleration, gets up to speed quickly, and he sets defenders up well to create separation. He's also a good blocker. Some of the bad things, he's an ideal slot guy, and I noticed he struggled at times trying to beat press coverage. He needs to improve on his route tree and his footwork, Now, he's one of my favorite wide receivers in this class. In my opinion, a lot of the industry have not taken notice of him. I think he's going to be a better pro than DK Metcalf, which is gonna surprise a lot of people. Gary Jennings is a prototypical slot receiver, and the NFL is evolving to make the slot wide receiver a big part of the offense. Mike Thomas plays a ton of the slot. Edelman plays the majority of the slot. Juju played a lot of the slot last season, and there are many more moving to the slot to take advantage of nickelback coverage. With the departure of Doug Baldwin, I can see Jennings earning that job and getting a lot of volume. According to Pro Football Focus, Gary Jennings had the second highest passer rating on targets in 2018 for the entire class of wide receivers this year. If Jennings can remain that sure-handed in the pros, Russell Wilson will be looking at him very often. Jennings is free in rookie draft and an easy pickup if you're looking for a potential breakout. Number four, Andy Isabella, drafted by Arizona, round two, pick 30. He's 5'9", 188, ran a four three, one forty 140-yard dash. He was in the upper percentage of the class in speed, burst, and agility, and his breakout age was 19.8. Some notes on his tape, he's a fearless competitor. He has blazing speed, he's a very good route runner, he creates yards after the catch with his short area agility and acceleration, and he can play return man at the NFL level if he's needed to. Some weaknesses, he doesn't have much experience versus NFL caliber cornerbacks, he can be shoved off his route path, he's a chronic body catcher, and he's more of a game player than a practice player. A lot of evaluators think that Isabella, because of his small stature, is strictly a slot receiver in the NFL. And although I think he could be very successful in that role, and the Cardinals' air raid of offense, Isabella compares very favorably to Brandon Cooks. Both are 5'10" 190, both run 4340, and both have similar burst and agility metrics. Brandon Cooks has shown that he can excel on the outside as well as the inside, and I think Isabella can do the same. In his senior season, Isabella finished second in all of the NCAA with 102 receptions while accruing 1,698 yards and 14 touchdowns. I expect the Cardinals use Isabella a lot in the slot as a rookie to utilize his speed and create mismatches versus slower nickelbacks. He could evolve also to be a nice outside deep threat if Hakeem Butler doesn't materialize as an NFL prospect. I expect Isabella to be one of the most productive wide receivers in this year's crop of rookies. Now, as of this recording, Isabella has a knee injury, so he hasn't gotten a lot of reps in camp And he could start out the gate very slow, but I think he will have a good pro career. Number three, A.J. Brown, drafted by the Titans, round two, pick 19. He's six foot tall, 226 pounds, ran the 40-yard dash in 4.49 seconds, and he scored in the upper half of the class in speed, burst, and catch radius. His breakout age was a 20.2. After watching his tape, some strengths that I recognized were he has ideal NFL size, he's a big running back after the catch, he has the athleticism to slip tackles and create a lot of yards after the catch, he's a very willing blocker who can make a difference, he tracks the ball well over his shoulder, he's a quality blocker with room to improve, and he shows multiple gears going up and down throughout his routes. Now some weaknesses that I saw, he struggled against some of college's best defensive backs, he needs to prove he can work downfield against NFL speed, a lack of focus at times create unnecessary drops, he needs to make better adjustments to poorly thrown balls. One thing I noticed on his tape is when his left side was on the sidelines, he never switched the ball over. He mostly kept the ball in his right arm no matter what side of the field he was on. This could become an issue in the NFL, but it's something to keep our eye on. Now before the draft, A.J. Brown was in contention as my number one overall wide receiver, and I think he's a pretty safe bet to be an NFL contributor. I'm just bummed he got stuck with Marcus Mariota and the Titans. I really don't know how they will use him after signing Adam Humphries and already having Corey Davis on the roster. Ole Miss, Brown looked freakish at times and seemed to dominate if he wanted to. He had back-to-back seasons of 75-plus catches and over 1,000 yards. DK got most of the hype because of the combine, but AJ is a much better NFL prospect. Brown has the athletic measurables and the production to show that he can be a legitimate weapon at the NFL level. Now, with Corey Davis getting majority of the attention by defenders, AJ can easily lead the team in catches and yards by year two. And he reminds me a little bit of Anquan Bolden. My number two wide receiver in this class is Paris Campbell. He was drafted by the Colts round two, pick 27. He's 6'1", 208 pounds. He ran a four three one forty, which was best among all receivers in this class. And his breakout age was a 21.1. And typically, this is a red flag for me. But I'll explain why on this occasion it's not. Now, on watching his tape, some strengths that I saw is he's a very good receiver with soft hands. He recognizes coverage, and he knows how to get open. He will blow past defenders if there's green grass in front of him. He's very reliable on underneath routes, and he's a quarterback's best friend. He exhibits good vision with the ball in his hands. Some weaknesses that I saw is he's a bit undersized for a feature receiver. He lined up primarily in the slot, but that'll be okay with the evolution of the NFL. He seemed to be brought down easily on initial contact. He's a willing blocker, but he needs to finish and be more physical. As a high school player, Campbell primarily played running back at St. vincent St. Mary the alma mater of LeBron James. He combined for 2,900 yards and 50 rushing touchdowns during his final two seasons in high school. He changed positions to wide receiver when he committed to Ohio State. Now, this is why his 21.1 breakout age doesn't really affect me that much because he's just learning the wide receiver position once he got to college. And it took Campbell until his redshirt junior year before he completely becoming a factor at his new position. He had 584 receiving yards and that actually led the team in that stat. But with JT Barrett running the offense, you didn't see a lot of passing. Now, in 2018, when Dwight Wayne Haskins took over and a traditional pocket passer was in the game, Campbell's skills really began to show. He became the fifth Buckeye in school history to total at least 1,000 receiving yards. And he was just one of 14 Division I receivers who tallied 12 or more touchdown receptions. Now he's absolutely electric after the catch and almost impossible to bring down once he's past the last line of defense. Catching the ball seems effortless for him. He should become a favorite of Andrew Luck and as the Colts can use him on reverses, sweeps, as well as wide receiver screens and crossing routes. His 4-3 speed should enable him to have good yards after the catch. Now he's still learning the position of wide receiver, so working with T.Y. should really improve his game. Campbell has all the intangibles to be a good in a wide receiver so if he has the desire to be great i think he will become a very good fantasy asset in time this is a very bold call but i see similarities to odell when i evaluate paris campbell now the number one receiver in this class for me is in kiel harry drafted by new england patriots round one pick 32 he's 6'4", 213 pounds his breakout age is at 18.7 40 yard dash was a 4.53 seconds he's in the upper half of the class in speed burst and catch radius some of the things I saw on tape that were positive is that he has the prototypical frame for an NFL whiteout, he's a very good route runner, he's a very talented playmaker after the catch, and he's explosive and tough to bring down in open space. He also reacts favorably to poorly thrown balls. Some weaknesses? He needs to become more of a hands catcher as opposed to a body catcher. He struggled to separate at times against physical press man coverage. He needs to improve his route tree, and he needs to improve both as an inline and downfield blocker. But in college, as a true freshman, his 58 catches led all freshman wideouts and was a school record for a first year player. These type of breakouts can show us players that can dominate at the next level. As a true sophomore, he continued to cement his status as one of college football's top wideouts. He logged 82 catches. 142 receiving yards and eight touchdowns and as a true junior he put together his second straight campaign of 1000 plus receiving yards while adding nine touchdowns. He earned first-team All-Pac-12 accolades at both the final two college seasons. A player who lived up to the hype coming out of high school as the top wide receiver in the nation, he then established himself as one of the best receivers to ever suit up for his hometown Sun Devils. Harry is very dynamic after the catch. His vision, lateral shiftness, and incredible burst make him extremely tough to take down in the open field. However, the knocks you'll hear about Harry are the concerns that skilled press corners can render him ineffective. I think the Patriots should do a great job putting Harry in position to avoid that if it's something that he has trouble overcoming in the NFL. I don't see the Patriots trying to replace Gronk at tight end. I think that Harry becomes the big target in the pass offense with the loss of Gronk. Although the Patriots have not had success drafting wide receivers early in the draft, I think Harry can be an exception to that and I think he has a pretty safe floor for the NFL. He may not evolve into Julio Jones or AJ Green type talent, but I can see him being the leading receiver in the Pats offense for the near future. In my opinion, he should be the first wide receiver drafted in all rookie drafts. My NFL comparison is that of Kenny Galladay. So there you have it, my top five wide receivers in this class. Now I'm sure you're wondering why no DK Metcalf, no Miko Hardman, no Hollywood Brown. Yes, I know, I don't have these in my top five. I will record a YouTube video and discuss all the prospects that I don't have in my top five, and some that the industry are high on that I don't like at all to be long-term NFL contributors. You can find my YouTube channel, just search for Roto Lounge. Next season, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to break down all the college prospects leading up to the Combine. After the Combine, we'll break some more stuff down. And I'll be sure to post a draft recap so you can be ready for your fantasy football rookie drafts. For those that have been listeners for my first seven episodes, I really appreciate it. If you can please leave me a rating or a review, it's the only way that new listeners can find me. And if you aren't following me on Twitter, please do so at LoungeRoto. And until next time, This has been the Roto Lounge Podcast.